And now a message from the Lee Jack Smith Ventures legal team. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect those of any of our listeners, any of our viewers, or anyone else. We've been told to put this disclaimer in because, from what we understand, Frank Dukes is quite prone to sending out lawsuits willy-nilly. We're covering our backs. So, without any further ado, it is almost 3pm. Get yourself ready if you are watching live on Facebook, because it is time for this week's Ripped Ticket Review. Take it away, boys. In a week where Star Wars Day was celebrated, Kate Blanchett was rumoured for a role in the movie adaptation of the Borderlands video games, and as we go to air, we await a statement from the Prime Minister regarding some form of an exit strategy. What else would you need from a film podcast than two blokes talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme? Hello, wherever you are listening or watching, and welcome to the Rip Ticket Review, a movie podcast that prides itself on getting the names of major characters right in movies. I'm Jack Smith, and joining me over the power of the internet to talk all things blood sport is the cause light to my Carlsberg, other beers available. Good afternoon, Dan Carver. Hello there. Wow, that was savage, Jack. That was savage. I know. Fair play, fair play. Um, <laughs> but um, don't worry, I've got all my notes here. So Yeah, you're prepared um, this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, um, this week we're talking about blood sports and uh, Jean-Claude, the, the, movie, the movie that got Jean-Claude Van Damme on the map, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we'll also be talking about how Bloodsport came to be, because there's a very interesting title. Uh, there's an interesting uh, little card at the end of Bloodsport, which says it's based on the true life of one Frank Dukes, mm. which is uh, we, I've taken a look into that. I've got all my information here. But yeah, Bloodsport is it, it is a rite of passage for every child to watch Bloodsport at some point. At least it was in the 90s. Um, it was Van Damme's way of getting into Hollywood. And it was a martial arts movie, essentially. Jean-Claude Van Damme plays a character called Frank Dukes, who is taught the ways of martial science uh, when he uh, he decides to enter the Kumite, which is a no-holds-barred martial arts tournament. Anything goes. And he it's, it's essentially a tournament movie. And I love martial arts tournament movies because they're just so simple to make. It's so Im- it, it's nearly impossible to go wrong with a martial arts tournament movie. Um, and yet somehow the Tekken movie did it. <laughs> but there you go. Um, <laughs> it's, it's nearly impossible because all a martial arts tournament movie or a tournament anime or a, to- a martial arts tournament TV show or, or whatever is just literally, you know who the good guy is. You know who the bad guy is. It's just waiting for them to get together and have that final fight. And that's what we get in Bloodsport. It's one of the best martial arts movies um, made because it's one of the daftest martial arts movies ever made. And it's the best Jean-Claude Van Damme movie ever made as well. And that's no faint praise because in the early 80s and 90s, he was big. He was huge before he came crashing down after um, Street Fighter. But the less said about that, the better. Yeah, the less said. (laughs) So, I mean, Jack, where do we begin um, with, with 
with kick, uh, kick, with um, Bloodsport. Well, where do we begin? To give you an idea of, of the cast, of course, we've got Van Damme, his first major mainstream Hollywood role. Before that, he played. He was he was um, he was uh, credited as gay karaoke guy or something along those lines. Something like and that, some, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this was his this was his big shot. Big shot, a uh, pretty low budget as well. It grossed $65 million on a budget of around one and a half to 2.3 million based on the information I have here. Of course, we know it went on to become a cult film. Uh, surprisingly, Forrest Whitaker pops up in this film and I, I wasn't expecting to see his name on cast list because it was all predominantly marketed around Van Damme. Yeah. Yep, Forrest Whitaker's in this as well. It's one of his early roles. Uh, we have Bolo Young, uh, who um, he he plays the uh, champion Chong Li. He, he like Bolo Young, fifty years old at the time, putting on a hundred pounds of pure muscle. Um, he was, you know, he, brilliant, brilliant villain. Um, Chong Li is. He, 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 there's no sort of dastardly plot, nothing like that. He's just an absolute git who kills in his fights. And that's pretty much it. That's all you need from a tournament movie. So, oh man. But yeah, the the, the entire movie itself is just it, it's craziness in the eighties. It, it to understand just why I hold this film in high esteem. You have to understand the history of Western, um, the Western history of of martial arts films because before then you'd used to have like this b-movie schlock of of terrible martial arts movies and then in hollywood something incredible happened fists of fury was released uh starring bruce lee who is the greatest martial artist that has ever lived damn right uh and i will i, I will hold no argument against that because he has in, even today, his teachings are used in martial arts as a means of you know, his, his, his method of abandoning that which wasn't useful to you, but keeping hold of that which you could, you know, you could use, that sort of thing. Um, and Fist of Fury was major in the West. It was huge. And then, of course, Bruce Lee had a, uh, his short career. I think it was like, how many movies did he release? It was like four or five, wasn't it? Something no, along not those lines. Many. Not very it wasn't many. many. Hmm? It wasn't many at all. I'm just going to quickly look it up. Yep. Um, but the thing is, the you know the Western audience has got a taste for these movies. And like, we want more of these sort of movies. So what would happen was these B-movie companies would purchase Chinese-made movies, dub them over hilariously. And then release them into the B movie theater, and that was the West's way of watching these classic Chinese movies and their way into martial arts. And then, of course, suddenly everybody wanted to be a ninja in the eighties. Everyone wanted to be a karate. Well, yeah, ninjas were the thing actually um, back you know back in the eighties because you had like um, loads of ninja movies, um, and then you had Bruce you know Bruce Lee. Uh, exploitation movies called, uh, after he sadly passed away um so and of course you also had chuck norris as well yes after he starred <laughs> after he starred um in in bruce lee in the bruce lee uh, movie way of the dragon he was given a western martial arts film breaker breaker which basically started his run of cult movies 
I'm just on the Bruce so, Lee point. I've just pulled up the list. He did eight movies all in all. Oh, what an impact in those eight movies. Yeah. So I was a bit off there. But yeah, he did quite... Yeah, Poison stands up. And you'd often find as well in the back of these like comic books, learn how to be a ninja. The secret, you know, the secrets of being a ninja. Merely cut this coupon off and shove some money in and we'll give you like a book that tells, you know, Ninja Death Strike or something like that. So... People were dying for some sort of, you know, for these martial arts movies. And you used to get a lot of fake martial artists kicking about. And these martial artists, they would claim that, you know, they, they were the deadliest men alive. They, you know, were able to use chi powers and they knew ninjutsu. And they would open up actual dojos and they would teach the, these things. And I won't go on too much about it because if you want to, you want to, um, you know, find out about it, YouTube basically yeah go go to youtube but in this comes a young man called frank dukes and frank dukes he is a martial artist now it should be said that a lot of what frank dukes has said has been brought into question it's very questionable mm. we're only going to give the facts and what i found i'm not going to give a judgment i'm not going to say he's a liar or anything like that because i don't want to get sued oh we already run a views and opinions express disclaimer at the top of this podcast we are covered i just in case just in case he is quite um he is quite litigious apparently so yeah i'm not really in a hurry to to, to have the records he might he might be telling the truth and he might know that didn't mark and he might use it on my pasty white backside anyway so yeah Frank Dukes, uh, he is a martial artist. Uh, he um, and at the end of Kickboxer, oh, the Bloodsport. I'm going to make that mistake so many times. At the end of Bloodsport, you'll see um, there's a title card that says from 1970 um, that the movie was based on um, the life of Frank Dukes um, from 1975 to 1980. Frank W. Dukes uh, fought two, 329 matches. He retired undefeated as the world heavyweight full contact Kumite champion. Mr. Dukes st still holds four world re records. Fastest knockout, 3.2 seconds. Fastest punch with a knockout, 12 seconds. Fastest kick with a knockout, 72 miles per hour. Most consecutive knockouts in a single tournament, 56. Uh, and those are the records that Frank claims to have. I don't know how that they managed to measure those records in in this Kumite because you have to remember obviously technology back then, and it's an underground. Yeah, you know, you know I don't know how how they measured that. But anyway, uh, Frank Dukes claims he uh, he went into a no hold bars mixed martial arts competition held in secret every five years. Um, he entered in there, he won. And he essentially sold his story to Hollywood, and Hollywood were like, yes, that's a great movie. Let's make it. And that's when Bloodsport comes in. Bloodsport, uh, you know, it's based on the on the stories of Frank Dukes, where a young um, Jean-Claude Van Damme stars as said Dukes uh, as he goes into the tournament, into the Kumite, in order to win. Uh, the stories of Frank Dukes get a little bit crazy after that. Apparently, he won a sword. Or something along those lines, which he then sold to try and free some slaves, uh, some child slaves in the Philippines, and it didn't go too well. Um, something along those lines. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much how Bloodsport came in, in, in to be. So, yeah. 
it, it like I say, it's the daftest film ever, and it sets several tropes that are seen in Jean Claude Van Damme eighties uh, martial arts movies. Um, for example, the hilarious ninja training. Oh, who doesn't love a good training montage? Well, this one's absolutely mental. Like Jean Claude Van Damme must be a sadomasochist in his spare time or something, because <laughs> each of these training montages involves him being hung up to these um, ropes and his limbs essentially being pulled in different directions. And we see it in Kickboxer, and we see it in, in Bloodsport too. It's it's absolutely mental. Uh, we then see uh, him blindfolded as he's making tea, because that comes up in martial arts a lot. Blindfolded um, making tea? How the hell can you make a good cup of Earl Grey like that? Well, he I, I'm not entirely sure how he does it, but he does it and he manages to defend a, um, an attack from his master as well. My God. <laughs> He um he does you see him do the splits about a million times in this movie. Um, the most memorable time he does the splits is where he's uh, Frank Dukes is facing a sumo wrestler. I am not joking, and he does the splits and he punches the sumo wrestler right in the groin, which <laughs> um, knocks the sumo wrestler out of the tournament. <laughs> And it was a move that was digitalized for Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat. Oh, that's where it comes from. Yep. In fact, I think there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Johnny Cage was kind of based on Jean Claude Van Damme. Um, so you've got that. Um, but the movie itself, you can, it, it's a Van Damme movie. Yeah. Like you, you can tell straight off the bat, it's it's a Van Damme movie. You've got, um, you know, like say so you've got the hilarious training, you've got the fight choreography, which is well, all done by Frank Dukes, and it really shows because the fight choreography in this is absolutely mental. It's it's the old Western fight choreography where they make. Like the fighters make one move each, rather than it being a fluid fight, you'll have one person throw a punch and then the other guy will block it, and then they'll like stand still and then the other guy will throw a punch and then there's a block and then there's some like some assaults. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, Whereas yeah. if you ever look at say for example, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee was just all over the place. The guy was just fluid. He didn't even wait for the, for people to fall down. He'd kick them and move on. It's why um, the Chuck Norris versus Bruce Lee fight is so you know, highly regarded because it wasn't one of those Western fights where it was so obvious, you know, obviously choreographed. It, it was, was like two different styles coming together, meshing quite nicely. Correct. Yeah. So you've got that as well. Um, you've also got like the fantastical sort of acting of. Jean-Claude Van Damme as well, which is just absolutely crazy. Um, I, I don't know how to describe his acting. It's like an actor who's trying to act like somebody who doesn't know how to act. And trying to see how long he can get away with it. <laughs> but I have to tell you, okay... It, it gets worse because the person that plays a young Frank Dukes is by far the worst chi 80s child actor I have ever seen. And it's so bad, it's good. Oh. 
<laughs> and we all know how much I love things that are so bad they're good. This kid was probably paid with a bottle of pop. <laughs> and that was it. Um he 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 kinda sounds like this. Oh god, that's, that sounds he, like a bad performance. It's it's a terrible performance. Um like it's it's kind of a mix between William Shatner and Adam West. <laughs> That's how bad it is, but yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much um, Kit Boxer. And one of the things, the, the best thing about, but I enjoy about uh, Kit Boxer is the soundtrack. The soundtrack to this is absolutely incredible. Um, I'm trying to remember who did the soundtrack um, for it. We'll uh, get it up in a minute. Uh, well, I'm on IMDb now, so I should uh, have it. Paul with you. Herzog, that was it. The soundtrack is incredible, and if you can find the um, the album, get it because it's it's just perfect 80s synth, and it works. It just absolutely works. Um, it's one of the very few parts of this movie where. It's perfect. Is the soundtrack? It works. Um, so yeah, are we going to go? So as well as that, as well as Frank Dukes, he um, enters the Kumite. He meets Ray Jackson, um, and Ray Jackson. Uh, he, he plays a um, he plays a, a fat biker with zero muscle. And just charges at people and takes like major swipes at them. Um, you know, play, played by Donald Gibb. Yep. And it's one of the most hilarious things you'll ever see. And it, it's absolutely, it's it's like how on earth? Like you see these sumo wrestlers, you see people like um, Bolo Young's uh, character uh, Chong Lee, and then you see sumo wrestlers. And then there's just Ray Jackson, who's just a biker. And it's like, how did he get an invite to the Kumite? Because, because, uh, sorry, the Kumite. Because that's the thing as well. You have to be invited to get into this tournament, apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think they probably only invite him because he looked like a bit of a badass. Probably. <laughs> but um, it's it, it's crazy. So, yeah, they go to the Kumite, they uh, Dukes befriends uh, Ray Jackson, and then, of course, they get their guide, Victor Lim, played by Ken Su, who is an absolute brilliant character. Uh, he's just, he's got, it, it, it's crazy. He's the perfect mix of 80s wise, um, sort of like stereotypical Asian um, wisdom mixed with biting sarcasm. It's brilliant. And so Duke, they're like, uh, Dukes goes before the officials, and the officials are like, hang on a minute, we didn't invite you, we invited um, your your sensei. And Frank Dukes is like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm here on behalf of my sensei. And they're like, okay, prove it. You need to perform the Dim Mark. Now, uh, Dim Mark is a phrase. It means, roughly translated, I think it means eternal sleep. It is essentially... Um, the death blow in in martial arts it's like the touch of death yeah and tales of it are used in the wuxia genre of chinese martial arts fiction 
it's often a secret body uh, technique where people attack where um, the user will attack pressure points and it causes immediate or even delayed death the most famous usage of the Denmark trope uh, is of course kill bill with the five point um, exploding heart technique that would be an example of uh, the Denmark in this kickboxer the Denmark is where um, Frank Dukes, as Van da- uh, played by Van Damme, is able to blow up bricks using his put the palm of his hand. Oh, it, yeah, it's 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 crazy. They get a pile of bricks, and Van Damme's like, oh, uh, Frank Dukes is like, okay, pick a brick, and they pick um, one of the top, and Frank is like, okay, yep, and the, t- uh, the tournament uh, officials go, no, you have to go hit the one at the bottom, and so Frank Dukes slams it with his palm somehow not breaking the bricks on the top but smashing the brick at the bottom to to pieces and if that's not the most 80s martial arts thing you'll ever see i i don't want to know what is that has got 80s cheese written all over it it really is um, an, an incredible scene um and it's it's brilliant so they enter into the tournament they they, they pretty much prove that yep you know, you know, Denmark, we're going to honor your invitation. And then they go into the tournament. And do you know what? None of the fighting in this tournament makes any sense. It's brilliant. It's so incredible. You're watching these daft, crazy nutters um, pretending that they know martial art. Now, there are some legitimate martial artists that do um, fight in this movie, Van Damme being one of them, Bolo Young as well, and I do believe there was a Muay Thai fighter um, who is an expert in real life. Um, I'm just going to try and find his name. I just want to double-check about this. Uh, I think it's Paco. Um... His name is um pa- yes Paco, um, and he is um sorry Paolo Toca. He's um a well-respected pioneer of Western Muay Thai, and there's this brilliant scene in where it, this fight scene where Jean Claude Van Damme and Paolo Toca are just firing kicks at each other. That's all the scene is. It, they're just trading body kicks. It's absolute craziness. I guess there is no. I guess it seems like that got this film the rightful 18 certificate that it deserves. Um, even though loads of kids watched it. <laughs> there is no fluidity to these fight scenes. No logic. No, no art to these martial arts. Now, to be fair, okay, Frank Dukes learns martial science, not martial arts. So we, we can't really knock him down for false advertising. But there's there's no... It, it's so... Because I, I can't put into words. How do I describe the choreography of it? I mean, first off, because the choreography was done by Frank Dukes, so that the real Frank Dukes, so that pretty much explains everything in this. Because if you have a person who doesn't know what they're doing, of course you're going to get really bad results. But 
it's robotic. I guess you said the fight scenes are so robotic, but it's you know it's it's really is helped by the soundtrack and the fact that everyone tries to give their best and most earnest performance possible. There is no performance here where you look at the actors and go, yeah, no, they don't care anymore. They don't, they don't care that they've given up on life up until this point. They don't care. It's just a paycheck for them now. Everyone in Bloodsport gives an absolutely brilliant performance, um, especially Jean-Claude. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, what else have we got as well? So the fight, the, the tournament goes on and eventually Jean-Claude's uh, Frank Dukes and Bolo Young's Chong Lee eventually meet up as you would expect in a tournament movie. The end fight has got to be one of the most cheesiest and craziest fight scenes Jean-Claude Van Damme has had the absolute honour of being in. Um, it's, again, it's so robotic, but there's this brilliant bit where Bolo essentially throws what looks like talcum powder from his belt at Frank Dukes and blinds him. And... At this point, you'd think, "Wang on a minute, he's just used the weapon. Why isn't the referee, like, stopping the fight when it's clear that Dukes has been blinded? Why doesn't Dukes say anything? Uh, and then Dukes, he puts his hands up to either side and he starts shouting. It's all in slow motion. And then he closes his eyes and he focuses on his team-making training that in the beginning of the movie and that's how he manages to um beat um beat the main bad guy in Bloodsport. that's how he manages to knock out bolo young's chong lee it's a f absolutely fabulous end to a movie and then of course the movie ends with um frank going on to do his thing with the title cards saying that this is based on the life of actually let's see if we can find a quote for quote for frank uh for the for the title card um so kickbox uh blood right. sport uh told you i'll make that a uh, mistake because again uh kickboxer is of a similar vein um i think um in, in that it showed those tropes but we'll talk about the tropes in a little bit i it's it's kicking about uh, but yeah it does say that um on, on the title card it said that the um the movie itself is based on the real life of frank w dukes and then it goes on to, to list his records which um you know his fastest knockout etc and we do see um van damme uh van damme's frank dukes get the fastest knockout in the movie as well um and which which leaves a huge sort of like gaping plot hole I think um, mainly how on because it shows it shows the fighters who's coming up in in cards. They sort of like hold up the cards and it will show the fighter's name. It's like okay, yep, that that's absolutely brilliant. You know, you'd get that. They they obviously printed out the names of of the fighters they've got, and then it shows the cards, um, world record and the time on it. And it's like, hang on a minute, how did they get that card so quickly? It's 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 absolutely mental. But yeah, it's a, it's a film um, that doesn't seem to have any common sense attached to it. Yeah, but that's why it's so good. It's the it's the right kind 
of cheesiness. It's got that perfect balance of actors taking it seriously and the movie just being um, completely cheesy. And that's what makes Bloodsport brilliant. So Bloodsport introduces several tropes in Van Damme's career, which he goes back to use. First off is that at some point Van Damme will end up completely topless showing his bulging muscles, which is where he gets the nickname The Muscles from Brussels. Um, another one as well, we've, we've talked briefly about it, is the sadomasochistic mm. uh, training montage that he has to go through in every movie. In Bloodsport, he is thrown to the ground multiple times. In order to help him, I assume, flex a bit and, and do the splits, his uh, limbs are tied up to the trees, uh, and his master pulls on the ropes so that his legs are essentially forced into the split. And it's a similar thing in the, the another movie, Kickboxer, as well, which is another tournament movie uh, where Frank Dukes, uh, where John Claude Van Damme's character, again, he's tied up, he has to do the splits, and he's also gets a coconut thrown at his stomach as well because, Ooh. you know, why not? Um, it's almost like they want the audience to feel the pain with him. <laughs> and it must work because he does the splits about a million times in these movies. Uh, and, for example... <laughs> Um, in in there's a scene in Bloodsport where he does the splits in between two chairs, uh, which you know, I uh, it's pretty impressive actually. You know yeah. his flexibility, but in most of his movies, you see him at some point do the splits and fire for punch, and that's another thing as well that's in his movies is um, punches to the groin. Mm. That that's um, one of the things that that come out in his movie quite a lot. Somebody always gets punched in the groin. Sometimes it's the enemy. Sometimes it's Van Damme. Um, it, it did happen at one point in, in um, one of his movies. But yeah, um, it, the, the movie itself is based on a true story. Or was it? We don't know. Oh, yes. It depends on who you believe. As it turns out, the real the story of the real Frank Dutz is nearly as interesting and arguably very, very strange as the actual movie. Um, he's a, Dux is a controversial figure, to say the least. He's made outrageous claims about his past life. It's left him a polarizing figure within the martial arts community, with many going out of their way to try and debunk him. Many um, videos on YouTube go out of the way to debunk him and point out that some, most of his story is just complete. You know, it doesn't hold up to the water, shall we say? Um, he also has his supporters. He also has his followers of his ninjutsu system, aptly named Ducks Ryu Ninjutsu. And he was once considered credible in the 80s to appear in Black Belt magazine, which detailed his audio appearances in the Kumite. And in a way, it helped plant. Uh, that's what helped plant the seeds for Bloodsport. Yeah. Somebody must have read that and gone, that actually makes a really good movie. Apparently, he trained um, Van Damme as well for a little bit during the movie that's crazy but Dux uh, speaks about his life uh, he claims he's a covert military operative which uh, apparently um, he went all over the world requiring him to use his martial arts skills in a variety of si variety of situations that will make James Bond blush uh, he continues to assert his claims to this day um, and he has been exposed um, 
in by the LA Times in 1988. Well, clay, the LA Times claims to expose him, um, and it's you know, I heard someone describe Frank Dukes as having something called Walter Mitty syndrome. Yeah. And I never heard of that before, so I, I had a quick look to see what it was. Um, and apparently, Walter Mitty is a fictional character in James Erber's short story, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Which was adapted into a 2013 film by Ben Stiller and a 1936 film as well. Yeah. yeah I know the material. Ball on my neck, Jack. Um, Mitty, he was a meek, mild man, but he had a vivid imagination. And he imagines himself as a wartime pilot, an emergency room surgeon, and a devil may care killer. And he became a standard for um, basically people making up things in their life that they've done in order to escape the mundane of their life. Um, To quote Dr. Richard Petty, MD, uh, the Walter Mitty syndrome is clearly related. Uh, He's uh, in this, he's um, the relation that he's referring to is to pathological lying from physical, psychosocial, um, so psychological, social, subtle, and spiritual perspectives. The Walter Mitty syndrome is clearly related. People use fantasy to escape from their normal lives. They believe that their lives are humdrum and boring, never realizing what an enormous gift it is to be alive at all. And then the doctor goes on to complain about, uh, sorry, to complain, uh, to go on about how he's met people who have claimed that they were royalty. Uh, he, how uh, he's he's interviewed people who have claimed that they have lots of money when they don't, and he calls it um, the Walter Mitty syndrome. And most people who look at Frank Dukes claims that yeah, he's essentially Wal- the Walter Mitty syndrome. He is a guy who had an ordinary life, and decided to embellish a few facts and that's how the blood sport came to be now i'm not going to go and and say he's lying frank dukes is lying or if he is or if he isn't um you know i'm I'm not in the business of calling people liars this is about movies not frank dukes is a liar show most importantly we Um, don't want to get sued yeah we don't want we we don't we don't want to get we don't want frank dukes to, to, to to get angry with us because he knows martial arts, <laughs> but um, it, it, it's it, incredible, isn't it? How this like blood sport has essentially become Van Damme's like the, the, the higher like the peak for Van Damme, isn't it? Mm. I mean, Jack, what are your thoughts? Well, it is. It is uh, uh, I've been doing my research through the, about this film through the week. I've not had a chance to watch it yet because I've been that busy hold up on journal duties. But from what I've read and from the trailers I've seen, this feels like a peak 1980s film. This is this would have been yeah. one of the first films that played in UK multiplex cinemas because the first multiplexes would have opened here three years before the film came out. It, this is a film that seems to get the whole martial art thing right and this at the time it as you mentioned it was the big thing everyone wanted a bit of action and this film seemed to perfect the formula and everyone comes back to it now just to see like what 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 did van damme get right how do they how do they direct this scene how do they get the action up to a, a, a nice level how do they importantly convey a narrative this really did set the blueprint and the fact that yeah. Dukes would go back and work with him on Kickboxer kind of says a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
the thing is, like I say, it is just the right amount of cheese. It because the whole movie is just complete eighties Western martial arts done right. They done it's eighties Western martial arts done wrong, done right. In this, if that makes sense, in the sense that yeah, they got it wrong, but it, it's it, it's still entertaining. And if you want an example of what happens when a Western martial arts movie goes too far in the cheese, watch 1993's Undefeatable by uh, starring Cynthia Rothrock, who was another martial artist, uh, I do believe, in the early, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and there is a scene in uh, which was posted on YouTube. Uh, it was a fight scene. It's it's so bad and it's so incredibly cheesy that it's impossible to take it seriously um it's cynthia uh cynthia rothrock and uh her co-star fighting this muscle-bound um guy uh hand-to-hand combat and combat the uh, bad guy who is called stingray he's bested by um cynthia rothrock and um, her co-star and ends up getting his eyes gouged out in the protests um because he gets kicked and one of his eyes um i can't remember how the first eye gets gouged out but the second eye um stingray ends up on a on a meat hook and then they like pull the lever and the meat hook drags stingray up and they're like you know spear or, or something along those lines. Yeah, be seeing your stingray or something stupid like that. And the whole fight is just so incredibly lame. It's impossible to take seriously. In fact, I highly recommend you go find this scene out. It's on YouTube. Just type in um, undefeatable Cynthia Rothrock and it should come up. I shall have a look at it once I've got this podcast out on all the audio platforms. Nice, man. And... Um, that's basically a martial arts movie cheesy gone wrong. Bloodsport is done right. Um, and it has had a major inspiration on martial arts as well. That's the thing. Um, it, it has inspired the existence of the MMA, the um, as in the MMA competitions. All, all, I mean, we're, um, we're, we're literally doing this podcast hours after the UFC hold their first event in eight weeks. Well, well announced directly by the UFC. Um, it inspired the video game Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat. Um, no film has come close to matching its 80s intensity and utter ridiculousness. It's it's just... Yeah. <laughs> Although, I, I, at the time, the critics didn't feel the same way about it being van damn good. 40% yeah, on... 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Van Damme got nominated for a Golden Raspberry for Worst New Star, but he lost it to Ronald McDonald for the uh, for Mac and Me. Or better known, <laughs> the, the film that Paul Rudd brings out every time he's on Conan O'Brien's show. Oh, blimey. Uh, but it has, it has become a cult following since then. I mean, the fact yeah, that we're doing a podcast about it now tells you a lot about how people feel about this movie. Yep. Um, Donald Trump has mentioned it's his favourite movie. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> um, you know, um, you are right. Yet yeah, he was nominated. It, it, it's you know, Leon Clady of the Los Angeles Times wrote that it was hacking through the jungle of cliche and reservoir of bad acting. Um, and 
you know, he does put down that there are some pretty exciting matches as well. But he is right. It is very much a, a, a lot of cliche in, in Bloodsport. It had um, free, free direct-to-video sequels like all good movies do. Mm. Bloodsport 2, the next Kumite, Bloodsport 3 and Bloodsport 4, the dark Kumite. And Van Damme did not appear in any of them. Because he knew where the good scripts were. Mm, pretty much. Um, there was a, a report to be a remake in 2011. Um, Philip Noyce was attached to direct a screenplay by Robert Mark Kamen. Uh, the main character was supposed to be an American Afghanistan war veteran competing in a Val Tudo tournament in Brazil. Um, uh, I, I haven't heard anything from it, though. Uh, no, nobody has, because uh, Noyce dropped out of it then. V for Vendetta director James McTeague came in in 2013. Filming was to be done in Australia and Brazil, but knowing Hollywood's current stance on the whole remake thing, I don't think it's going to happen. No, I, I I don't think so either. Um, and I don't want it to be remade. I, I think, because... Like it, it goes back. It's it's kind of like the crow, in that it exists on its own, and it doesn't need to be remade, and it doesn't need sequels. It should just be left along its on its own to exist in its own space. And if you if people remake it, you kind of lose that. You know, you're never going to get the same charm as you get from watching like the movie now because it's on Netflix. <laughs> hey! Um, so if you've got a Netflix subscription, uh, check it out. But um, yeah, it, it, you know, I don't. I, I hope they don't remake it. I, I hope that they just leave it as it is because, like you say, Hollywood has that stance on remaking things, don't they? Um, when they run out of ideas, yeah, especially the big franchises. Mm. So I, I hope, you know, I, I hope that they just leave leave it alone, please. Um, it's it's a it's a wonderful movie. It's blissfully stupid. Um, it's a movie that should appear on Mystery Space Science Theater Three Thousand. If it hasn't. oh my god, that'll be an incredible riff. That'll be an incredible film for him to riff on. Yeah, um, there's this, you know, and it is one of Canon Films' greatest ideas. I mean, if you don't know about Canon Films, uh, there's a great documentary on ca- uh, Canon Films uh, about Canon Films called Electric Boogaloo. Oh, I've heard about this. Yep, and basically, Canon Films specialised in direct-to-video, terrible VHS movies, and. They normally star people like Chuck Norris or Charles Bronson. Um, they were and they were true visionaries in the world of cheese movies. And Bloodsport is one of them. <laughs> it's it's a simple plot, and it was perfect for canon. Perfect. So, canon. Not just that. Hot and fresh science fact incoming. Back in the day. Canon owned the precursor to what is now the Odeon chain here in the UK. They owned ABC for a bit. That's pretty cool. 
And then because of competition and mergers, some of them got sold off to what would become Cineworld. So effectively, we've got Canon to thank for a lot of the multiplex scene in the UK. I've been looking into this sort of stuff for my Masters over the last couple of weeks, and uh, there's been some interesting finds. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it's 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 a great film. Please watch it. <laughs> um, it's got some great lines in it as well. <laughs> um, like vines, children need training. Is one of the lines from uh, Frank Dukes's um, master Sensei Tanaka. Um, plenty of lines about protecting people's nuts. Um, I can't repeat some of the lines because most of them are swearing. But yeah, uh, yeah, a- I'm, I'm having a look through some of the quotes myself. See if see if yeah, any yeah. of them are clearable. <laughs> uh, official Good after luck. performing a dim mac we honour your invitation Jackson no smit you honour his invitation very good but brick not hit back inventive use of dropping the swear word for my last name there oh <laughs> uh, but yeah <laughs> aren't you a little young for full contact Frank Dukes aren't you a little old for video games <laughs> <laughs> oh wow this uh, this is insane. I tell you, I know all the good movies, man. <laughs> yeah, this is this is going to be on Talking Smith about film on Thursday. I'm calling it right do now. It. This is going to be reviewed on Talking Smith this week. Do it. Please, please do do watch it. Um, like I say, it, and it has its perfect. It has its place in the cinema. It was it was wonderful because it helped boost John Claude Van Damme's career. It threw him into the spotlight. And I think as well, the thing about Van Damme, because he, he was up against someone else as well. He was up against Steven Seagal. Ooh, yes, yeah. yes. If you remember, because Steven Seagal was coming out roughly the same time. But the thing about Steven Seagal's style is it didn't really translate to film that well. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of his movies uh, and his fight scenes, uh, a lot of Steven Seagal's fight scenes are... They lack flair, the cinematic flair, if, if if that makes sense. There's no sort of flashy punches and kicks that make him look superhuman. That's why a lot of his films are violent. I think that a lot of Steven Seagal films back in the day were so that were as violent as they were to make up for the fact that actually he didn't have the flashy flips and kicks that people like Jackie Chan and Jean-Claude Van Damme had. And I think that's why Jean-Claude Van Damme ended up more popular than Steven Seagal. Because Van Damme did have the flashy moves. He could do the splits. He could do the roundhouse kicks. He could do all of these. So, yeah, the movie helped um, Van Damme uh, put his career on. It helped inspire the UFC. It helped inspire mixed martial arts. Um, it helped prove that Bolo Young is obviously immortal because he was 50 years old in Bloodsport. He's still going. Nice. Um, he's about 70 now, or 80, one of the two. But yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's, please, please watch Bloodsport. I've said that so many times, but please, please, please watch Bloodsport. I have to be honest, that's all I've got to say on it. I can't think of it. We, we really blitzed through that. I know. <laughs> Well, the fact that we've been able to go a full 45 minutes talking about a single movie is quite an achievement. It is, yeah. Here we are. Just after the above credit, 
which shows this motion picture is based upon the true events in the life of Frank W. Dux. From 1975 to 1980, Frank W. Dux fought 329 matches. He retired undefeated as the world heavyweight. with full contact, Kim Tai Chan. Yeah, so got it. And right. I'm looking at the article now. And I've also got um, some trivia up as well. Oh, yeah, on your point about Dukes training Van Damme. Dukes was the fight coordinator for this film. When John called Van Damme was cast, Dukes announced that Van Damme wasn't nearly in good enough shape and put him through a three-month training programme. Uh, and Van Damme has stated that it's the hardest training of his entire life. Oh, wow. But how much of that training was needed? Like... Did Dukes know what he was doing? This is why these films are just so interesting, because the urban legends that go around about things that happen in production, you don't know whether they're going to be true or not. It's it's Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons why I love So Bad It's Good movies, is because you've got the movie and it's so bad it's good and you enjoy it, but then you've got the story behind the movie. And each of these movies that we've talked about have had interesting stories behind them. You know, um, going back, so we've got like Jean-Claude Van Damme and the whole film essentially being based on the life of Frank W. Dukes, who apparently put Jean-Claude through his paces in terms of training. And also Van Damme apparently helped edit the film as well. He had a lot of input. Oh, uh, then you had The Crow. That has an interesting story behind it, slightly morbid as well, mm. um, in regards to all the craziness that happened. Although that movie is not so bad, it's good, it's just brilliant. Yeah, then The had Crow's Uber an example Bowl. of how not to run a film set. Yeah, pretty much. Then you had Uwe um, Boll and his movies behind the scenes, and then you had The Room. Each of these so bad, they're good movies that we'll be talking about have had interesting stories behind them. And that's what makes these movies great is because when you find out about the story, it's like, wow, through all this craziness, you still made a movie. It it kind of holds people in a a little bit more respect, to be honest, that they managed to make a movie despite all the craziness that has happened. But, um, yeah. (laughs) Just trying to see if there's any other interesting uh, claims... um... What right, here we are. So, uh, Van Damme said he weighed 85 kilograms when he made this movie on, a, on an interview with Collider Live, which seems. The guy who wrote this, which seems reasonable and realistic for his 5 foot 10 heavy muscled frame. Obviously, someone's been paying a little bit too much attention to the film. <laughs> uh, but it, I'm, I, I'm in awe at the amount of training that they, they made him do for this role. Because I mean, this, is, this is Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's just built for this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. You said what Dukes made him do to get in shape for this movie. Obviously, set him up for promoting that beer pretty well. A good thirty-five yeah. years on, <laughs> like, they don't even use him for that anymore. They've got rid of him. Nope. Pretty much. Because I was watching a channel that uses that beer to sponsor comedy the other night, and I was like, "Where's John? Where's John Claude gone?" That was the first time I'd seen Jean-Claude Van Damme on my TV in years, you know. But, but it, yeah, it um, does tell you the impact that this film has had. He is still relevant to this day, even though he is promoting beer. Yeah. 
but yep, nineties Eve Van Dam dominated the nineties with Steven Seagal. Um, but it, it, you know, we we. We, we we have like I say we have Bloodsport. It's it's on Netflix. Go watch it. Um, and I think at that point it was Van Damme and Seagal until Jackie Chan came along. Oh yeah, that's all put everyone in their place. Um, but um, yeah, so a lot of these topics that we're discussing are topics that I come up with. Jack, is there anything you want to discuss? Well, funnily enough, um, like I mentioned, the channel. Um, that these beer adverts used to play on. Uh, the other night, I ended up binge-watching the whole first series of a show that Edgar Wright directed called okay. Spaced. Yeah, and, and I And I watched it all for the first time. We had it on on Friday. And what I found particularly interesting, and we might actually end up doing an episode on this, was seeing the seeds get planted for what would become... One of the strongest trilogy of British comedies I've seen in years, the trilogy that would go on to become known as the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, which for those of you who aren't in the know, are Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. Watching that series on Friday, I can see where the style was perfected. I can see the sort of characters that Simon Pegg would write. It was also the first time Pegg and and Nick Frost would work together. Because Nick Frost wasn't an actor till he did that series, I thought it was quite an interesting insight. And that might be a future rip ticket down the line. Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, much input as me on this one, but yeah, definitely. I think talk about superhero movies as well would be pretty good in the nineties, and and just basically how terrible they were. Well, the funny thing is, uh, watching Space Back, there was a whole line about how how bad superhero movies were at the time, and that was a year before the first X-Men film came out. Because Space went out in 99, X-Men came out in 2000. Cool. But yeah, that, that'd be definitely be cool. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got to say on, on the subject of, of Bloodsport. It is available on Netflix. Please do dig out the soundtrack as well. Um, it is one of the coolest soundtracks you'll ever hear on, on a movie. Very 80s, very synth-heavy. I love my synth. Um, which might explain why I love the soundtrack. Um, But, yeah. Please, please, like I say, another recommendation from the Rip Ticket Show. Watch Bloodsport. Jean-Claude Van Damme at his best, at his finest. Oh, yeah, and and I I think I can confirm we will be reviewing reviewing it over on the other podcast on Talking Smith about film on Thursday night because I'm going to try and sneak in the time over this week to get it watched. Because it's been it's been busy here over the last couple of days, and uh, I'm going to be doing another podcast later because uh, we're doing uh, what the hell happened later on because of the announcement incoming from the prime minister, which we reckon could signal the first chance when the cinemas could reopen. So regular readers to lejacksmith.com will know exactly what that means. But for Rip Ticket Review listeners, here's how you can get involved with our little podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Rip Ticket Show. Twitter is at ripped underscore ticket. You can watch us live every Sunday from 3pm on the Facebook page. We will tell you a little bit more about what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, as soon as we know uh, but yeah social media is like the best place to find out what we're doing uh, also uh, for correspondence we do have the email address which we don't really plug that much ripticketshow at gmail.com so if you've got any correspondence that'd be brilliant 
Uh, five star reviews on all the podcast platforms would be greatly appreciated because it would help get this play, this thing, this little nerdy corner of the world out to more people on a weekly basis. And I can say we're doing really well. We're, we're actually now I'm doing two weekly podcasts. I'm getting back in the swing of things now. It's brilliant. Good to hear. Feels good. I'm just checking the uh, the analytics for last week. Uh, the other episodes are best performing episode. Knew it. Uh, followed Knew it. very closely by the episode on the room. Excellent. We're doing well. We're doing well. But, um, one of the things I'd like to also talk about as well is Alien. Oh yes. Should we do that next week? Should we do Alien? How amazing that film is! That gives me a little bit of time then to sort of um, spaced out. Yes. There's so much we can talk about Alien. So let's talk about it. Next week, we're going to be talking about Ridley Scott um, and his absolute masterpiece of science fiction, Alien. I've got the two-disc special edition. Director's cut. It's here. I'm holding it in my hand. I'm looking at it. And it's, it's Alien. And we're going to be talking about why it is a movie that... Is, is is not only brilliant, but it also has the strongest female lead in recent, like, as, as far as I can feel, in any movie. You can't not talk about Alien without mentioning Sigourney Weaver. Simple exactly. as that. So I, I think that's our next episode. Right. Yeah, so I next week we it. are talking about Alien next week. We'll be back at the same time, same place. Until next Sunday at 3pm, I've been Jack Smith. I've been Dan Carver, getting the names right this time. Woo-hoo! Yes, we did it. <laughs> uh, until next week, this has been the Rip Ticket Review. We will see you at the movies. LeeJackSmith.com viewers, I'll be back at about 10 past 7 this evening following the Prime Minister's address to break down exactly what the hell is happening with cinemas. But for Rip Ticket listeners and viewers, we will see you next week and we will see you at the movies. Take it easy, everyone. Wow. Hey. Okay.